This is the Unlimited Unloaded page. Amanda, we have plenty to bring your way on this Friday program. The fall schedules are set. We'll talk about the soccer schedules in our second segment. It's all mapped out. I've been eager to find out what it looks like, and boy, is it pretty cool. I'm talking about our play-by-play schedule here on USF Bulls Unlimited. Yes, the football season begins on September the 3rd, but even before that first broadcast, when we'll go on air at 2 o'clock, unless we change the length of the pregame, I haven't thought about that yet. I guess I should start thinking about that. But that's a couple of months away. We are basically a month away now from our first broadcast. We'll explain in our second segment. There will be 13 games between soccer and volleyball before our first football broadcast. So we're not just football here on USF Bulls Unlimited, but with that in mind, there's plenty of football news to bring you, including a stadium timeline update, including details on the kickoff luncheon, and maybe a little bit of slight inside scoop on some other things that are coming up when it comes to meeting Jeff Scott and members of the football team. We also had a couple of outstanding student-athletes get named the best scholar-athlete in their sport in the entire American Athletic Conference, which is obviously very impressive, and a certain team getting named the top team when it came to GPA in all of the American Athletic Conference. We'll do some more American Athletic Conference news at the end of the hour with Around the American. Some men's basketball for you here in our first segment as well. And like I said, we'll do the soccer schedules in our second block, but we've had some news come down. Yes, on Wednesday, we definitely could have done a Thursday show, but we're sticking to the summer schedule. Believe me, I got enough other things going on that I need to do behind the scenes and get those done before, you know, actual play-by-play starts in August here on the channel. So we're sticking to the Monday, Wednesday, and Friday schedule. But with what took place on Wednesday, certainly could have slid in a show on Thursday. It was kind of funny being at the Selman Athletic Center, which is where my office is located right there in the heart of the athletics district. Although, man, the body is starting to grow some nice appendages with that indoor performance center really getting towards the latter stages as far as the outside goes. Every day I drive by and peek inside to see if there's actual turf down. It seems like that's going to be any day now. But as far as what was going on in the Selman Athletic Center, you have the Hall of Fame conference room, which is where obviously we meet up sometimes, but also the various players and teams have their meals there and that kind of thing. But on Wednesday, it was jam-packed with guys with, well, they look like people that should have blueprints in their back pocket. It was a bunch of architecture firms hoping to be the one that gets to build the on-campus stadium. It was their chance to ask questions and get an idea of exactly what's expected. And now we know exactly when the firm is supposed to be decided on. They also got a timeline, as I said, August 9th will be the day of the formal presentations. Well, that will be something. August 19th is, that's not long from now, August 19th, the day that we'll find out who will be building the stadium. It was a good story by Matt Baker on the Tampa Bay Times website. The folks who made the beautiful Colorado State brand new stadium, the along with UAB, of course, most recently done stadium in Division One football. And that group is called Populous, by the way. They also renovated the Texas A&M field. You had the folks that worked on the Miami Hard Rock Stadium, folks that renovated the stadiums at Ohio State and Michigan there. And now they know that it's going to be them or somebody else on August the 19th. And whoever is decided will be approved formally by September the 6th. Then it's time for planning, of course, and design and figuring out what the budget's going to be. And then a year or two to build the thing in 2026 continues to be the year, the season, that the on-campus stadium will be a thing that hosts 
football game. So pretty fun stuff there. We'll continue to keep you updated, obviously. You know, I do want to talk to Michael Kelly about this, whether it's in a podcast or for this show. But the man's kind of busy. As you know, there's a lot going on with conference realignment and the Bulls in all likelihood are going to want to be a part of said realignment. But hey, maybe I'm speaking out of turn there. Maybe they're happy in the American, but I'm going to guess that if the ACC came a calling, well, Big 12, you get the idea. You think about it with the Big 12. When you're looking at all of these leagues, and believe me, UCLA and USC in the Big 10, you're going to see this phrase a lot, travel partners. Now, if you don't know that phrase, it might not seem like anything, but it actually could serve USF's purposes if you're thinking the Bulls would end up in the Big 12 because do you think that the Big 10 is going to want to send Northwestern or Rutgers or whoever all the way to California just to play one game in whatever the sport is, volleyball, tennis, when you could send them over there to knock two games off their schedule against both of those teams in a span of a couple days? That's what travel partners means. USF does not travel with UCF to anywhere, but other teams, other schools coming to Florida in the American Athletic Conference right now, generally when it's a sport where you can play two matches or two games in a span of two or three days, like tennis, like soccer, like volleyball, you do it. So right now, obviously with just UCF, the Big 12 does not have anything like that. There's no one even close to UCF, so hey, I don't have any inside information like I say, but that could if you're thinking about USF and the Big 12, be a factor. The upcoming volleyball schedule is a perfect example. The Bulls of Jolene Shepherdson are headed to Wichita State on Friday, October the 28th. Then they stay in that area and go to play Tulsa on that Sunday. UCF, it's just vice versa. They will be in Tulsa, then at Wichita. That's the whole concept of travel partners. Again, they don't travel with each other, but two schools are considered as one destination for visiting teams. So back to concrete news and actual destinations that you could put on your travel schedule. How about Armature Works, which, first of all, Armature Works. What a concept and how awesome is that place. It's also where the USF football kickoff luncheon will be held Wednesday, August the 17th. Camp will be going on by then, so trust me, it'll be a nice little break for the guys. And Jeff Scott will be speaking. Michael Kelly will be speaking. Sam Barrington did a great job last year as the MC. I know last year there was the panel of players that were on the original team. I don't know if there's going to be something similar. I'm guessing that he might interview some former players, but I do know that if you want to get tickets and you want to go the route of a group of eight at one table, get your friends all together, that's $360. If you can't round up eight, then an individual ticket is $50. Each table, at least this is how it has been the last couple of years, will feature two members of the team sitting with you. Of course, you get to meet them. They enjoy that, and you will too if you're a Bulls fan. Check out GoUSFBulls.com for more details. It also has a link to where you can go ahead and purchase the tickets. If you want to call my friends at the ticket office, you can do that too at 1-800-GO-BULLS. But August 17th is the date, and don't dilly-dally. That will be a sold-out event. Now, I definitely don't have a date on this, but as you know, it's been a couple years since there has been a fan fest for COVID reasons, obviously pretty big gathering. But there's a chance that could happen this year. And I don't know, is there something that is being built that would be a cool place to have an event? Uh, you know what, I'll have to think more about it and maybe get back to you with those details here on Bulls Beat. Pretty cool thing here, the American Athletic Conference. And I understand why this took so long after the last season to do because 
there's a lot of student athletes in the American Athletic Conference institutions. You add them all up and you have to decide who was the scholar athlete of the year. Well, we'll tell you who actually were the, regardless of sport, male and female scholar athletes of the year at the end of the hour with Around the American. But essentially one was picked for each sport. So to be picked among everybody at your sport as the top scholar athlete is unbelievable. And Elena Chenecki of women's basketball and Luke Gifford of men's golf were named just that, the Scholar-Athletes of the Year for their sport in the American, and you get a $2,000 postgraduate scholarship along with that. You know, I've talked to both of these individuals a lot. You just can tell how smart they are. But Elena, she's funny, too. <laughs> I saw her working a camp and wanted to know if I could grab a bottle of water and said, jokingly, how much will that be? And she said, that will be $1, but you could tell she was kidding. She's smart. She's funny. And she will be getting going with women's basketball. Luke Gifford and the men's golf team will also be playing in the fall. We'll get more into them. If you head to theamerican.org, you can see separately the all-conference, all-academic teams. And you had to have a 3.0, so a lot of names on the list. And you can look at it by school. And the neat thing about the South Florida section, same with all the other schools as well, you actually get their real names. And most folks go by their given names, but for example, men's basketball, you know him as Jake Boggs? Well, maybe next time you stroll by the kid, just yell Christopher and see if he turns his head. Also, Darren Patrick, not DJ Patrick, but I guess we'll call him DJ and Jake. Also, Samuel Hines, which is no shocker, Sam Hines Jr., but had a chance to talk to him the other day and maybe get a little intel on the transfers, Tyler Harris. And I got to confirm, even though I haven't seen Tyler yet on the court, I asked Sam if Tyler's smaller than me, and I go 5'10", 170, and he goes, yep, but he can shoot. Looking forward to seeing those guys, maybe actually talking to some of the newcomers in the next couple of days. While I'm talking about men's basketball, I would direct you to a Twitter page if you are just so eager to get the schedule as We'll talk about in our second segment I was for soccer to coincide with volleyball and be able to map everything out. But if you want to know basketball, you definitely got to follow D1 Docket. And the cool thing is when you go to their Twitter page, the first thing there along with the description is a link to their actual docket. They have every single, as implied by the title, Division I men's basketball schedule such that it is. Now, once they're released in full, officially the teams, they announce it and they have it all. But until then, they piece it together, and you can actually go right now, as we're saying this, and get the USF non-conference games that are scheduled and the dates. So, the college basketball season begins on a Tuesday night, November the 8th. That part of the USF docket is not announced yet. I'm going to guess, like the last couple of years, there will be a doubleheader. So there will be a home opponent of some kind, but it looks like on the ensuing Friday, that'd be November the 11th, the Bulls will be at Auburn, which of course came to Amelie Arena last year, and then a home game against Stetson on the ensuing Monday, that's November the 14th. And again, there could be games in between the ones I'm giving you, but the ones that we know, and again, it's D1 Docket as the Twitter page. We knew that the Bulls were going to be taking part in an event in Daytona Beach alongside of Georgia soon-to-be conference foe again, UAB, along with St. Joseph's. Looks like the Bulls are hosting Charleston Southern on December the 2nd, going to Northern Iowa, interesting, on December the 12th, and also playing at some point at home, St. Francis, the team, out of New York. That's not the full non-conference schedule, but 
A lot of it's there for you if you want to check it out. The event down in Sunrise that the Bulls have taken part in a couple times, they will not be this year. As a matter of fact, a conference team will be. We'll, well, we can figure it out that conference team since it's called the Sunshine Classic. Tell you about that at the end of the hour with the conference show. Speaking of schedules, coming up next, we'll tell you what soccer is up to. Both in the last couple days have released their fall schedule, and it'll be here in a month. Stay tuned for that information coming up next. Thanks for stopping by the Unlimited Unloaded page. Oh, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. My spreadsheet of all of the games that we know about, including some from the men's basketball season, as we just told you about. But more to the point, what's coming up this fall alongside of football. We've got soccer, men's and women's, of course, and volleyball matches to bring you. And they will begin, now we can tell you, sooner than you think. August the 6th, as this is the July the 8th show that's about a month away in fact it'll be a saturday night at corbett soccer stadium similar to last year plenty of chances to see both bob butehorn's men's team and denise shilty brown's women's squad at home for free during these exhibition matches the bulls talking about the women's team will play ju on that saturday night the 6th and we'll be on the air obviously to bring it to you wednesday the 10th in fact i can scan through all of these games and tell you that we are cleared to bring Every single home soccer match and maybe even some road matches for you this year. A couple in-state trips that I'm fairly confident in maybe getting out there and getting on the road on a plane for the first time with the team. But we'll worry about the actual opponents in this case, give you a little intel on the non-conference opponents. And we will start off with the women. The men's schedule was announced Wednesday and the women on Thursday. As far as the actual regular season, it begins on Sunday the 21st against FGCU team that has had a winning record every single year since it joined Division One in 2007. A bunch of A-Sun titles and actually beat the Bulls on the road back in the 2015 tournament. That was FGCU's first NCAA tournament victory. Bulls got the better of them recently. In fact, defeated them a couple times themselves in the first round. So a common opponent, as it were. Then the second match for the women is going to be Thursday the 25th, and that will be part, of course we'll get to the men's schedule here in a second, of a doubleheader. Not going to be many of these, but on opening night for the men's soccer season, the women will actually play first. Again, that's Thursday, August the 25th against American U. That's a team that the Bulls should have the better of. They went 5-9-2 last year, only one trip ever to the NCAA tournament. Now, we're not going to give you all the dates on these, just a little bit on the opponents. And, of course, you get the full schedule and dates at GoUSFBulls.com. Side note on the American University Eagles, who play out of the Patriot League. Whether that matters against the Bulls, by the way, they were only 1-6-1 and at home, but above 500 on the road last year. Either way, American University is also the Eagles. So two Eagles to start things off. Then, very interesting that the Bulls will be playing at Florida. I don't know if you know this, but the Gators, Becky Burley was their only coach ever, national champion coach, got them to the NCAA tournament basically every year. She leaves, and it didn't go well. I'm not going to give you all the details. They're out there if you want to find them. But long on the short, the Gators went 4-12-4 and and already have a new coach. So that's going to be an interesting team to go up against. New coach, incidentally, Samantha Bohan, who they grabbed from Embry-Riddle. Also did coach in the SEC as an assistant with Tennessee back in the early to mid-2000s. So she's not a stranger to this level of soccer. Just seems like a very interesting hire. But we will definitely get uh, more detailed into her story and how she actually has a connection to one of the great Gator players of all time. It's kind of interesting. The point is the Florida Gators went 
with a new coach right away after a first effort at a new coach in their program history. Didn't work out. The Bulls, talking about the women's team, will also play two future conference foes, and that's the interesting part. The men's soccer group for the American only sat at six teams, so they went ahead and got a jump on things, especially with some other Conference USA programs leaving early. They went ahead and have pulled three Conference USA teams into the American for men's soccer. Well, in the case of Florida Atlantic and Texas San Antonio, they're not conference opponents this year, but they still are on the Bulls' schedule as far as the women's team goes. Of course, FAU is a team that has been on their schedule previously. The Owls, right around a 500 team, they have only made it to the NCAA tournament once back in 2005, despite five regular season titles. But recent history definitely frustrated the Bulls last year to the tune of a 1-1 draw at Corbett Soccer Stadium. Bulls outshot them 23-9. Now, if you have not heard this, we've mentioned it on the show, starting this year, and I kind of agree with this, by the way, no more regular season overtime. Honestly, always thought it was kind of strange, the college soccer approach that you could have overtime and yet still have a tie. You know what I'm saying? If you're tied after 90 minutes, if you're in a tournament where a team has to advance to the next round, you have to have a winner, in other words, of course, go for overtime and eventually penalty kicks. But in the regular season where, frankly, you don't have to have a winner, soccer is the one sport where ties are not an infrequent thing, why was there that extra 20 minutes? I felt it was kind of harsh, especially for teams that lost late in overtime to, you know, basically play what on the professional level is an actual tie through 90 minutes and then still lose the game. Even though that definitely helped the women's team with four overtime wins in conference play alone. But the point is this year, they can't do that. You got to win in 90 minutes. If you don't, if you're tied, it is a tie in FAU. Played those extra 20 minutes against the Bulls last year and ended up 1-1. Where UTSA had a better than normal season last year. The Roadrunners have only made the NCAA once back in 2009, and they lost 9 nothing to Portland, by the way. But last year, they went 10-5-4 and and had a look at making the postseason. Bulls, after playing four different SEC teams last year, will just play two this season, Gators being one and Georgia. And Georgia is just a classic case, a team that hasn't made the NCAA since 2014, but is always solid, right around 500 in the SEC, but they seem to be the team that's just on the wrong side every year. Last year was a great example. Georgia went 11-5-3, and 500 in the SEC. You'd think that'd be good enough, as it is in most sports, to get you to the NCAA tournament, but they lost their SEC conference opener in penalty kicks to LSU, and, well, that hurt their chances, but they're going to be good. The Bulls actually go to Athens. Miami will come to USF. Canes had a poor season last year, 1-9 in the conference, 4-12 and overall, lost to the Bulls in Coral Gables, 1-0. Canes haven't been to the tournament since 2012. And then Kansas, a team that's used to making the postseason, didn't last year. Although that's a program, their coach Mark Francis has basically been there since the inception. This will be his 24th season, and they've been to the NCAA tournament nine times, including four times since 2014. They just missed out on the last couple. So if you really look at it, the Bulls actually only play two teams that made the NCAA tournament last year, and it's their conference foes. That would be Memphis and SMU. Tigers will come to Corbett Thursday, October the 6th. Bulls will have played at SMU a week prior to that. A lot of the conference activity this year is a Thursday-Sunday swing. And if you're curious about UCF, the Warren I-4 ends the regular season at Corbett Stadium Thursday, October the 27th. 
Meanwhile, the men, and this is a really hard thing to pull off considering there was only one American team that made the NCAA tournament, Tulsa, they have six reigning NCAA tournament teams on their schedule. Two are the teams that have been added to the group, as I just mentioned. FIU, which will not be in the American and other sports, but will for men's soccer and is a big-time program, one that beat the top-ranked team in the country last year, Marshall, to end the regular season and actually got to host for the first time in its school history as the number 13 seed ended up losing to Wake Forest, outshot them 18-6 but lost. But still, FIU had a big build kind of year last year. That's one of the opponents that's actually going to be coming to Corbett to take on Bobby Horn's men's team. They will begin with three sweeps through the Sunshine State Conference for exhibitions. The first one will be Saturday the 13th against St. Leo. They'll also play UT on the 16th and Eckerd. They'll begin their season that Thursday the 25th against Bob Butehorn's former program, FGCU. So again, a doubleheader on the 25th. Then they go to North Carolina. I'm talking about maybe taking some road trips. No, the women are at home that day, but yeah. UNC, lost in the second round of the NCAA tournament last year, have made 10 Sweet 16s since 2008, making the semifinals seven times, including the spring of 21. So what an addition to the schedule. But that's just getting started because the Bulls will host a team that made it to the championship match last year, the Washington Huskies, a program that had been knocking on the door to the national championship type of situation because they'd never made the final four in essence that's what in soccer is the college cup well they had made the quarterfinals the previous two years last year valuably got that number eight seed there was an upset elsewhere in the tournament meaning they got to be at home for the quarterfinal which turned out to be a big thing prior to that oh by the way they only lost one game all season and it was to Oregon State which is the team that came to Seattle and won 3-2 to two in a wild game. They would play again when Oregon State had ascended to the top-ranked team in the country and Washington tied them in Corvallis. So they were kind of ready for the postseason. At home, rolled Portland, beat Indiana in overtime, and again got to host that quarterfinal match, which turned out to be everything. They beat St. Louis 2-0. Then to the College Cup and Cary, North Carolina, took on number 3 Georgetown, won 2 to one, but then fell behind really early against Clemson. Uh, the Washington goalkeeper basically whiffed on a simple ball that was sent back to him, and they were stunned and kind of on their heels and lost two to nothing. But my God, what an opponent for Bob Butehorn's team. And what's crazy about this is Washington, it's not like they're having some sort of Southeast sweep. They are just playing a bunch of home matches and then jumping on a plane to Tampa. Can't wait to talk to Bob Butehorn. There's a plan on doing today about how that came to be. The Bulls will also play at Marquette, which is always a solid program. Was not one of those six NCAA tournament teams last year. The teams that did make the tourney, we already mentioned Tulsa, of course, North Carolina and Washington and FIU. Another is Charlotte, which is now in the Bulls Conference. 49ers went 10-6-1 last year, lost to Georgia State in the opening round of the tournament. They have made NCAA trips, the 49ers, in 10 of the last 11 seasons, so another strong opponent. That one will be a road trip to close out September. And the other team that made the NCAA tournament will be the last one really before the conference schedule begins in earnest, and this team will be coming to Corbett Soccer Stadium, the Mercer Bears. That is a Friday, the 9th of September, just a few days after the Washington match. Again, if you want all of these dates, obviously, head to go usfbulls.com. 
The other new conference opponent, by the way, UAB, did struggle last year, went 0-7-1 in that Conference USA, which was still a great group with three top 10 teams, but the Blazers were just 2-12-1 and and have made the NCAA tournament eight times, but the last trip was back in 14. And by the way, that's a road trip for the Bulls on a Wednesday, a midweek game where there's nothing going on. Up until then, I might fly out to Birmingham again and try and do some road trips for you this year. Bulls will also be playing Stetson non-conference, and I plan on speaking to both head coaches about their upcoming schedules. person who works the sports information side for the women's team, want to mention Dan Hamilton got named by ExtraInningsSoftball.com as the sports information director, at least one of the softball SIDs of the year around the country. Eight were singled out. And he was definitely singled out for all of the work he did, recognizing the voluminous Georgina Corrick statistical records and graphics and everything that goes along with it. That information doesn't just spit out by itself. Dan Hamilton, who works many sports, but softball featured among those, was named one of the best at his job. Congratulations to Dan. And same for the women's golf team of Erica Brennan. We mentioned the individuals as far as scholar-athlete recognition from the conference, but women's golf as a team was the top in all the American when it came to the classroom side of things. Not so bad on the course either. That's going to wrap it up for Bulls Beat. Thanks for checking it out. I'm Derek Sharp. You've been listening to Bulls Beat on Unlimited Unloaded.